If you would open your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Uh, welcome to all of you in the overflow this morning. Anyone joining us by way of video or audio podcast, uh, we love you so much. Thank you for finding us and, and taking this opportunity to worship with us. Uh, Romans chapter 3. This is the second in a uh, message series entitled The Doctrine of the Cross. We're simply looking at uh, Jesus' cross, his sacrifice for us. And today I really want us to deal with one of the biggest and most difficult questions of, of all time, and that is simply why did Jesus have to die? Why did Jesus have to die? There was a, a little boy who was being watched by his grandfather who was visiting for a week from out of town. The little boy started to misbehave. The grandfather called him down and said, boy, stop that right there. You better change your attitude. Uh, the grandfather got on him. The little boy looked back at the grandfather and said, you're not my daddy. Yeah. Grandfather said, boy, do you know who I am? I am your daddy's daddy. That makes me super daddy. That makes me big daddy. So you do have to do everything I say, and I can do everything I want. You understand? In, in kind of a stretch of words, we could say that God is super daddy. God is the big daddy. God is the one that we have to obey. We have to do everything God says and, and understand God can do anything he wants. God can do anything he wants. Which brings us to the biggest question of all. If, if, if all God wanted to do was save sinners, if all God wanted to do was forgive our sins, why couldn't God just forgive sins? You with me? Why couldn't God just forgive us if he just wanted to save us? If all God wanted to do was, was let it just not go to hell but go to heaven when we die, then why couldn't God just let us all go to heaven? Why couldn't God just save sinners? Why did Jesus have to die? It's a pretty basic but very important question. Turn to Romans chapter 3 with me. We're going to start in verse 21, and we're going to try to find the answer to this question. Why did Jesus have to die in the first place? Romans chapter 3, verse 21. Listen. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For God was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just, and he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. I have a long, long 
history with this congregation. I've been your pastor 16 years, and before that, we all grew up together. So I feel confident in sharing something with you today that I've never shared with you ever, but I'm just trusting you not to use it against me. Okay, true story. I kind of used to have a doll. <laughs> kind of. I was uh, two, three, four years old, and I don't remember a lot about growing up. I don't remember a lot about those toddler years, but I remember I had a blanket and a, a doll. Not really a doll. It was, it was a doll. It was, um, it was a rag doll, you know, kind of like Raggedy Ann. Don't say anything. Just kind of Raggedy Ann, but kind of Raggedy Andy. It was a boy doll. Um, I named him Alvin. Alvin. Uh, man, I loved Alvin. You would say he was a doll. He was more like a, like a cotton-filled companion. You understand? <laughs> um, yeah, I did everything. I, I mean, this doll went everywhere with me. And the blanket. I had a blanket. And, and, a, and a, again, I'm two years old. You, you had a doll, too, when you were two years old. Um, Alvin just was everything to me. I, I slept with Alvin. Uh, I took Alvin to church. I took Alvin everywhere. He was just made of cloth and stuffed with cotton, uh, <laughs> had like yarn for hair. I know it sounds lame. It, 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 was, it was big, though, to me in those days. Alvin didn't do well as the years went by. He was uh, cloth, and uh, I was apparently rough on him. Um, it came a point where Alvin really had a kind of a stench about him. He smelled like drool <laughs> for a good reason uh, and other body fluids. He lost his face. His face, I, I totally loved his face off. Uh, his face was just thread eventually. And again, the blanket that went with them, I mean, the blanket was just like string. Uh, and my mom used to start saying, now, you know, one of these days you're going to have to throw Alvin away. You know, my mother, uh, you know, the woman of all compassion and kindness, you're going to be throwing that doll away. And I'm just thinking, there's no way to throw Alvin away. You, you understand? I Again, it sounds lame when I say it now, but, but I loved that doll. And I'm telling you, at one point, he became more rag than doll. So uh, my mother got pretty strong about it. You're going to have to throw him away, throw him away, because, you know, I, I really couldn't, you know, get married and, and bring Alvin into the, <laughs> to the house. So I remember I was very small, and so I started practicing throwing him away. And I did. I would practice throwing them away. I would take Alvin, and I would, I would have this very big grown-up moment. I'd take Alvin and the blanket, kind of wrap him up, and I'd stick him in the bathroom trash can and just walk away. And then I would run back, and I would get him back out, and I'd say, Alvin, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'd keep him for another week or two. I, I mean, do you understand? He was more rag than doll, and there was nothing about that rag doll that would make him valuable. You understand? He really, really belonged in the garbage. He was just threadbare and, and, and stank horribly. But, but some things, some things are not loved because they're valuable. Do you understand? Some things are not loved because they're valuable. They become valuable because they're loved. So this crazy doll and blanket is worth nothing except to the heart of a little boy who loved them. Some things are valuable because they're loved. 
I, I, I tell you that lame story because I want you to understand that, that, that in, a, in a very similar way, you and I are, uh, are kind of like God's rag dolls. More rag than doll. More rag than doll. And not valuable in, in anything. I mean, this is the part that you and I just never really understand. We don't have any value. We are creatures of dust. If you put the whole human race together, understand, we have the value, something equivalent to a sack of wet mice. Do you understand? We, we have no value. There's nothing about us that, that would make us worthy. The only thing that you can say in our favor is that God loves us. And we become valuable. We are infinitely valuable because we're loved. God loves us. Romans 3, 23. It's, it's one of the most devastating verses of all time. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. You understand? This is the part where I say we are more rag than doll. And I'm not really making that up. Scripture says all of our righteousness, in other words, everything about us that you could brag about, everything that might make us somehow worthy of some sort of admiration or praise, Scripture says all of our righteousness is like filthy rags. Filthy rags. So, so we are literally more rag than doll. But here's the thing. We're loved. And, and it's the inexplicable part. It's, it's the amazing part. It's a part that just makes no sense that God still loves us. Even though we're sinners, he still loves us. Even though we ought to just simply be condemned and, and cast out and thrown away. Here's the thing. God is not willing to throw us away. God will not throw us away. Turns out God wants to save us. God wants to keep us, even though we are sinners, even though we are offensive to his holiness, even though we fall short of his glorious standard, he will not throw us away. He wants us. He wants relationship with us. He wants to save us. So here's the big question. Why can't he just do that? If God loves us like this, and if God wants to save us, why couldn't he just save us? He's God. There is no law higher than God. He is not bound by anything. Not bound by anything. If he wants to forgive sins, why can't he just forgive sins? If he wants to take us all to heaven, why can't he just take us all to heaven? He loves the whole world like that. And he's God. He can do whatever he pleases. So why did Jesus have to die? Why did Jesus have to die to save us? You ever thought about that? Well, according to Romans chapter 3, the issue is our sin. Jesus' death has to do with our sin. And the way you understand sin, the way you define sin, will determine the way you explain why Jesus had to die. Let's just say that up front. It has to do with sin, and the way you understand or define sin will determine how you explain what Jesus' death means or why Jesus' death was necessary. We can talk about sin in a lot of ways. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it, it's, just, it's considered falling short. Falling short. In other words, God is, is, is unreachably holy. 
morally perfect, and you will never ever reach him. You will never match his holy perfection. You will always fall short. You will never ever be able to be that good person that you imagine yourself to be. Just ask your wife. You'll never ever be that glorious person that, that you dream of being. You can turn over a new leaf. You can make a change. You can, you can change partners. You can move to another city. It's not going to help. If you could change yourself, if you could save yourself, you would have already done that. You are always falling short. This is what the scripture says. In, in a short way, this is what it means to be a sinner. Always failing, always somehow falling short. You're never ever going to measure up. But, but if you dig a little deeper, Jesus in one place uh, is asked, what's the greatest commandment? What's the most important law, the most important rule that we should all follow? And remember what Jesus said? The most important rule, if you could sum up everything that God requires of us, if you want to talk about God's glorious standard and define that, what would it be? What is the, the, the master law, the master rule that God expects of us? And what did Jesus say? It's got two parts. Bible school kids ought to be all over this. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. Everything, everything in the Old Testament, everything in the law of God is summed up with, with those two, those two commandments. It, it, it's about love. So what God requires of us, what God wants from us is love. So sin would therefore be defined somehow as falling short of love. Never ever being able to, to take ourself out of the picture and just love people. Never really ever being able to put ourselves aside and just love God as God is, is worthy of, of, of our love. So sin is somehow that, that alienation, that, that falling short, that failure to love God and, and love other people. Sin is a brokenness in relationship, and the most important relationship always is your relationship with God. If that relationship, you understand, is broken, all of your other relationships will be broken too. This is why some of you struggle so much in marriage. This is why some of you can't even keep friends for long. Because the, the priority relationship, the most important relationship is your relationship with God. But sin is brokenness in that relationship. So again, why did Jesus have to die? If, if sin is our problem, then why is it that, that only Jesus' death could somehow, could somehow answer, satisfy the problem of our sin? If sin is that brokenness in relationship, that failure to love, then God must, in order to save us, God has to restore the relationship. God has to restore the relationship. In other words, God has to reveal himself to us as the God of love, the God of perfect love. God has to restore that relationship. We have to know God, and only God can reveal himself to us. We can't find him any other way. We talked about that last week. So only God can show himself to us. And so the cross is the moment when God reveals to us his true face. The cross is, is the moment when God shows himself to us. The cross is the place where God shows us himself in a way that we can know him. He wants us to know him. And he wants us to know his love. 
But again, go back to Romans 3 with me now. One of the things that you'll notice stress in this passage over and over and over is not so much God's love, but God's fairness, God's justice. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. That's a legal term. That's a term that has to do with justice. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. That's a justice term, penalty. God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life. This sacrifice shows that God was being just. God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. You understand, God did this to demonstrate his justice, his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just. See, in this passage, wants you to make it perfectly clear that, that at the cross, we don't just see God's love, we see God's justice. You see, he's both at once. God is loving, but God is just. God is just. And if at any time you lose one of those, if you present the cross in such a way where it's only a demonstration of love, then you miss the whole part of how at the cross, God is paying a penalty, a just penalty for sin. His wrath is somehow being satisfied at the cross. You see, you have to hold God's love and wrath together. And that's hard for us. That's very hard for us. Now, some people get the wrath part down pretty good. A whole lot of preachers and a whole lot of people, if you listen to them, they have God's wrath down perfectly. If you listen to them talk, God is just somehow always angry, always somehow about an inch away from blistering and obliterating the whole planet because that's just how angry he is. And I'm not making light of that. God's wrath is real. But you can't only talk about God's wrath without talking about his love. Some people try. And when these people explain the cross, the cross becomes this place where this angry and wrathful God takes out his wrath upon the innocent and and suffering Jesus. He vents the wrath of an entire universe onto the shoulders of this innocent one. and, And somehow his suffering appeases the angry God. Now there's truth in that. But there's something missing in that. Where where is the demonstration of love? But then sometimes you hear people who stress God's love, and they make the cross just seem like Valentine's Day. Like the cross was just God's Valentine to the earth, and he sends his son Jesus because he loves the world. And that's true. That's true. The cross is a demonstration of love, but, but you have to hold together God's love and God's wrath. This is who God is. Perfect love and perfect justice. Perfect love and perfect justice. Y'all ever seen that mama at Walmart? And it's not a particular mama. I believe it's a lot of mamas. But it's that mama at Walmart with the crazy orangutan kid. Always, always at Walmart. I Man, I was at Walmart one day. I was back. I was coming back from the from the pharmacy, heading back to the grocery. So I was cutting through the toys, and I heard this mama say, "Get your hand off that fire extinguisher!" A kid with a fire extinguisher? Is this Walmart? Absolutely. Get your hand off that fire extinguisher. You get your hand off that fire extinguisher before I count to three. 
One, two, you get your hand off that fire extinguisher. Y'all know that, Mama? Yeah. Big brother, little brother, sitting in the living room. Mama said, get up and clean your rooms. Before I count to three, one, big brother says, you don't have to move till she gets to two. Y'all know that, Mama? Y'all know that, Mama? Just always counting to three. And then when she gets to three, what's she going to do? Probably count to three again. You understand, sometimes mom is like this toothless old tiger who just is never going to do anything, never ever going to deal with disobedience, never ever going to show any kind of fairness or justice, never ever ask her beautiful princess children to ever have to pay any penalty or face consequences for their actions. You understand? If you have all love and no justice, no wrath, you have some sort of distorted distorted view of God. God is not this toothless old tiger who's really in the end not going to deal with sin. You understand? He's a God of justice. And we are all sinners before him. All of us, we are more rag than doll. You understand? And he may love us, but he cannot. God in his justice, God in his moral perfection, God in his own holiness and integrity, he cannot. He cannot let sin go unanswered. He cannot let sin go without consequences. God is a God of perfect, perfect holiness, and he cannot. He simply cannot tolerate the offense of of the sin of his creatures. You understand? He is perfect justice. And the scriptures say, don't ever forget this, the scriptures say that the wages of sin is death. The the wages of sin is death. Wages are what you earn. If, If you work all week long, you expect to receive your wages at the end of that. Wages are what you earn. And the scripture says what every single one of us earns because we're sinners is death. You understand? There's a death penalty hanging over your head because you're a sinner just like me. Every single one of us worthless and ready to be thrown out. This is a God of perfect justice, and sin demands its penalty. And God's justice demands, demands that sin be punished. And the penalty for sin is death. But God demonstrates his love for us and that while we are still sinning Christ died for us understand Christ is God don't don't fall into this kind of two God trap where there's God and then there's Jesus and and God sends Jesus I I know that we can talk about that but you've got to understand that that God is, is, is three in one one God And so when you see Jesus, you're looking at the Father. You're seeing God. So Jesus' actions are God's actions. Now let that sink in. Jesus' actions are God's actions. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So when you see Jesus on the cross, this isn't you know, something between God the Heavenly Father and the Son as if they're, they're separate gods. It's one God. And when you see Jesus, you're seeing the Father. So Jesus' actions on the cross, these are God's actions. 
These are God's actions. So what has God done? Why did Jesus have to die? Because the penalty for sin had to be paid. There had to be death for sins, and we are the sinners. We are the ones with the death penalty. Not God, not Jesus, you understand? God is perfectly righteous, and he upholds his righteousness. There will be a penalty for sin. There will be death for sins. God, in his love, simply decides that he will take that penalty on himself. Do you understand? God steps down. The judge himself, the the holy one himself, the one with no sin, the one with no imperfection, the one who is only justice and only love, he himself steps down. He steps down and he takes upon himself the penalty of our sins, the sins of the whole world. God himself pays the penalty for your sins, my sins. Why did Jesus have to die? It's the only way for God to reveal himself as as perfect love, perfect justice. At the cross, God shows us who he really is so that we can know him. So that the relationship it can be possible, so that the alienation of sin is, is breached, so that we can come near him, sinners though we are, filthy rags that we bring. He's just not willing to throw us away. That's why Romans 5:8 says. God demonstrates his love for us. His love for us. That while we were yet sinners, he died for us. That's why Romans chapter 3 says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. understand no matter who you are you are a sinner in the perfect blazing furnace of God's holiness you would have no no way of coming near him without being consumed and destroyed sin cannot abide in his presence but he was not willing to throw you away So he took your sin upon himself. He he paid that penalty. Perfect justice and perfect love. Pray with me. God, the way you love us is amazing. to talk about your saving us, Lord. We can only begin to praise you for your kindness and your grace, your generosity toward us. Why you would even consider us, why you would love us is unexplainable. Only you do. God, thank you for loving us.
Thank you, Lord, for coming down the back steps of heaven and allowing yourself to be pushed out of your own creation onto the cross where you paid the penalty for our sins that we might know you and love you and be loved by you. Oh God, today show us the depth of our sins. Show us the hopelessness of our situation apart from you. And then show us the wonder of a God who loves us so much that he would not want any one of us to perish. But that every single one of us would come to repentance. Oh God, thank you, thank you for all you have done to save us. Now Lord, I pray that no one in this house today would hear this offer of salvation and say no. Lord, let none of us say no to your love and no to your justice and no to the sacrifice that you've made on the cross. Let no one, no one hear this good news of salvation and turn away. We pray these things in the blessed name of Jesus. Stand together. Let's sing. Let's worship him. I just beg you to come and focus on what God has done for you. Turn your heart toward him. If you're a Christian and you've wandered far away from him, I'm inviting you to come back today. Christ died that he might enjoy this life of love and blessing with you in this life and in the life to come. Why would you walk away from him? Christian, come back home to him. And those of you in this house who've never, ever surrendered and believed the gospel, I'm inviting you today to believe and receive God's gift of salvation. It's just something between you and Christ in your own heart. You just call upon his name and answer yes. Answer yes to his offer, and he will save you. He died to save you. He died that you might live. So let him bring you to life today as we sing and as we worship him. If you have a public decision to make, I'm at the front to receive you. The altar's open if you want to come and pray. If you have a physical need for healing, deacons will meet you on the baptistry side to pray for you. Uh, whatever your need, now is the time to come. Uh, let's sing, please.